Welcome to the Whole Life Healing Podcast with Dr. Alexander Lloyd, best-selling author and founder of the Revolutionary Healing Codes Technique. Each week, Dr. Alex shares principles and methods from psychology, energy medicine, natural medicine, and spirituality to help you reduce stress, heal emotional and physical issues, and remove the barriers that hold you back from happiness and success. Join us as we learn to live our happiest, healthiest, and most successful lives. Here's Dr. Alex. Hi, Dr. Alex here. If you like the show today, or any day, I would love it if you took about 10 seconds to go to iTunes and leave a review for the show. I've been doing this for about 14 years now, and I spend hundreds of hours every year in preparation and recording the show. And if you like it, if it's worth your time, if you think it might benefit others, I would love it if you could leave a review to recommend to your friends or just recommend it to your friends that could benefit from listening to the show. Thank you so very much. Since we are going to be talking about issues of health and well-being, we wanted to make sure that you understand that this information is not intended to cure or heal anything. Everything in the presentations is the opinion of Alex Lloyd. You should always check with a licensed healthcare provider about any specific health concern you may have. Hi. I'm Dr. Alex Lloyd, and uh, welcome to the new Jesus. But I needed to share, I, I needed to have sort of a timeout or a disclaimer or a post it note, however you want to think of it. Um, I've been talking a good bit in the new Jesus about church the way we do it versus church, maybe the way the Jerusalem New Testament church did it, and that they're pretty far apart in some cases, and, and maybe that's been a source of, of some of our own personal struggles, as well as the reason people are leaving churches in droves and have been for years now. Um, but, I, but I needed to say this. Uh, there's lots of churches out there that are doing wonderful things that are warm places, that are safe places, that are empowering places, that uh, the, the people there are trying to do it right. They are trying to do it based on love and scripture and God's goodness and grace, not about money, uh, power, control, politics, okay? I, I, believe, I believe they're in the minority, but there's more and more of them coming up all the time, okay? Uh, You're probably all aware, because you've seen the TV commercials, that there's been places in the world where there's no clean water, and you've got people dying, and, they're, and, and they show the pictures of the little kids with the bloated stomachs, and they don't have any clean water, and there's all sorts of dysentery and sickness because the water's diseased and uh, has all sorts of uh, human refuse, animal refuse, uh, garbage, everything else. So when they drink it, they get sick or, and some even die. Churches raising money have put a huge dent in that lack of clean water in places around the world. Uh, that has diminished unbelievably 
over the last 30 years and primarily through the work of churches. Uh, very similarly, not quite, as, uh, not quite as advanced as the water, but similarly with food, okay? And, and a number of other things that, that um, are not saying, okay, if you will become a Christian, we will help you, but just going to help people that need help, which is what I think the church is supposed to be about. There's been a tremendous amount of that in the last 30, 40 years from churches. And, and that is a wonderful thing. I believe it's what we're supposed to be about. And please remember, in all, my, in all of my discussion and comparison of the New Testament church versus the Roman Catholic church that, that had its origin under Constantine and was about power, control, and money, it doesn't matter... You can do it. You can do church that way, okay? If you want to go to a building that has a certain name, that you spend big bucks on a building, pay your preacher a lot. I mean, I mean, all that stuff we've talked about. I'm not saying it's wrong to do it that way. I don't believe it is. That's the new wineskins. Do it the way that it works best for you, your time, your culture, uh, all of that. Okay, so, so I'm not saying that. I believe it's all right to do that. Just do it in a way that works, okay? Now, the money issue, I still have a little trouble with, especially if they're spending big bucks on buildings and staff and not helping people much, okay? But anyway, we could get into a big, you know, what percentage of what comes in do you give to help people versus having a plant? I, I, I don't know, and I don't, I don't really think that's a matter of, Sin versus not sin. I think it's the people getting together, joining hands, praying, asking God for guidance, and then following that guidance as best they can. The main point I've been trying to make is you don't have to do it that way. You can do it in a boat, on a plane. You can do it with two people, with 50 people. Um, but you're free to do it the way that is most meaningful and works best for you. That's, that's the point I've been trying to make. So um, there's lots of great churches, pastors, preachers, ministers, uh, members, believers. Uh, I, uh, just, just understand that I believe that, I know that, I've seen them, I've been there. I'm, so... That's not my point. I'm not trying to tear down traditional church, okay? I'm trying to say there's another possibility that maybe in today's situation will work even better and just happens to be closer to what the Jerusalem New Testament church did. So... Um, Wanted to add that just so you know where I'm coming from. 100% for church. We just can't judge and say, no, you cannot do it that way. If it's something that scripture doesn't say, you can't do it that way. Or says you need to do it another way, all right? Um, they're free to do it, I believe, the way God directs them through prayer and the Holy Spirit. This is uh, where we're taking off from, where we kind of take off from each week. 
Uh, here's the new postulate for this week. It's by uh, Santo Casalino, not our normal postulate person because they're on sabbatical, okay? But I think this one is also excellent. And uh, way to go, Santo. Um, a life of meaning and purpose, which is where we left off last week, is not attained through effort. Rather, it is uncovered through searching. I don't think I need to add one thing to that. Um, if you could just really marinate in that over the next week or so, a life of meaning, or maybe your life of meaning. So I would be thinking Alex's life, my life of meaning, is not attained through effort, rather uncovered through searching. Well, almost my whole life I've tried to attain that through effort. And for those years, it did not work. Now, there were times where it seemed like it was working, but then they would go away and it would, you know, whatever. Um, today, most days, not all days, I don't try to achieve it by effort. I, I, I try to be a vessel for the love and power of God uh, through the Holy Spirit, through oneness with Jesus, through God being all and in all, okay? And I can't really describe in words the difference. Uh, when I try to achieve it by effort, there's stress, anxiety, failure, guilt, shame. Yeah, sometimes woohoo success if I feel like I've done it, but that rarely lasts long. And so the 80% of life, if I'm trying to uh, attain it through effort, the 80% experience is negative. The 20% if my circumstances go well, you know, then I, I, yay. The problem is I'm always chasing that 20%, but that's only a, a what? Uh, one day in four, and it may not even be that good. Maybe more like one day in 10 that's really mostly... Um, meaning and purpose and fulfilled and great and whatever. And then maybe 9 out of 10, maybe there's a little bit of that, but it's mainly negative. And, and that's not just me. That's, that's science. 80% uh, of our automatic thoughts, thoughts that we just have, 80% of those are negative, not positive. Our unconscious mind always leans to the negative, except in one exclusive situation. It's like the, the golden treasure secret to everything in a way, okay? And, and, and I believe we're talking about those things and that, all right? But everybody wants a life of meaning and purpose. I, I've never had a single client that I, I've asked, hey, would you like at the end of your life to feel like you've lived a life of, of meaning? A life of purpose? I've, I've never had one say, oh, no, I don't care about that. It's, oh, of course, of course, okay? Um, here, here's an interesting thing about though that, though. Every life is lived with some 
meaning, or purpose. The question is, is it the right one or is it a deception? And if it's the deception, then you're wasting time, you're, 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 you're working to achieve something, but your work can be largely wasted. The exception to that is if you go down the wrong path for 10 years, but then you, you leave it and find the right path, well, then maybe those 10 years are very valuable to you now as far as what you can learn from that the pain and suffering and dead ends and hitting bottom and this kind of thing. And I think that's the reason why sometimes someone who is an addict needs another addict or another past addict to join hands with them and help them through. Uh, someone else who maybe is just as skilled, just as smart, and everything else, but they've never been an alcoholic, or they've never been a pornaholic, or they've never been addicted to drugs, or food, or anything, okay? Well, the person may have a hard time trusting them, and, 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 and feeling like they really know the way out, because they're thinking, there's his left brain head, head knowledge about this. It's not right brain and left brain, and experience knowledge from having been there and done that, from having already fought your way through the rainforest to the other side, and so you know the way, rather than, oh, I've, uh, I've, re I've done a map of what I think the rainforest may be, and we'll go together and we'll, we'll try. Well, you can't hardly compare those. The, guy, the, per, the people who've already fought their way through and have a path, you may be there, let's say the rainforest is, is, is 100 miles deep or long. Well, if the path is there and the guide made the path and has been to the other side, come back to get you, it may take what? I don't know. How, how long does it take to go 100 miles walking? Let's say a week, okay? Well, how long do you think it'll take if your guide has no clue the way through? Because they've not been there before. They're just, everything is hypothetical and supposed. Well, you're not going to feel near as safe and secure there, even if they're a really wonderful person, okay? So, you are living your life right now based on some purpose, even if the purpose is to just get as much pleasure as I want, or make as much money as I want, or to become as famous as I want, or whatever, all right? A bad purpose or meaning is still a purpose or meaning. So my question for you today is, what meaning and purpose are you living by? And if, and if it's based on your effort, there's a, about a 9 out of 10 chance you don't have the right meaning and purpose. Okay? And what that means is that when you get to your rocking chair on the porch of your life, you're going to be filled with regret, um, maybe even shame, condemnation. Uh, <clears throat> I'm out of time and I missed what was most important. Now, 
you can still be saved, you still go to heaven, yeah, yeah, but that's not what any of us want. So if that's the way you're headed, maybe you need to change directions. All right, so what is your meaning and purpose? That's, that's where we left it last week, all right? So let's pull the board over and, oh, oh, wait a minute. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go a little bit deeper before we go there. Um, I, I had a number of you contact me and say, hey, can you go a little bit deeper on the does God exist versus evolution? I mean, I, I've already talked about how um, the John Clayton, the, the NASA rocket scientist who I went to Middle Tennessee State University and saw after Hope had kicked me out of the house and I'd thrown Christianity overboard, I'd thrown the Bible overboard, I was searching every religion, every worldview, whatever. I go to hear John Clayton and he shares how he was an atheist, tried to prove that atheism was the truth by scientific facts alone, ended up proving to himself there has to be a supreme being. There's no other possibility, all right? But a lot of people disagree with that. So um, a number of you commented about that, and I wanted to go a little bit further with some research I tried to gather from a neutral or both sides, okay, to try to be objective. So um, let me read through a little bit of that. Um the odds of the earth just being the way it is so that it would be possible for life to be on earth. Just that. No, not anything about us, our bodies, or animals, or anything like that. Just the earth itself. Odds of that just happening, 1 in 60 billion. Okay? One in 60 billion. Um, <laughs> and I'm not even going to write this equation on the board, okay? Uh, I'll show it to you. See this equation? Uh, for uh, That's what it's called. I don't even know how to pronounce that. Nabiogenesis. Nabiogenesis. I think that's how it's pronounced. And here's the formula. NB1 over N subscript O... F subscript C, P subscript A, T. That's the, that's the formula. Um, the odds of accidental life on Earth. So the 160 billion was just for the Earth. And, and I guess the um, space around the Earth so that we haven't been demolished yet by a huge asteroid or something, okay? One in 60 billion. The odds of us just happening, human beings. Um, the non-number answer to that, meaning giving you a picture analogy that, <laughs> I love this. The odds of accidental life on Earth and that, and that accidental life on Earth surviving because the odds are way against survival, even if accidental life actually happened. And even, even, even Darwin acknowledged that. 
that, that if accidental life came up on earth today in our current situation, it would never survive. I mean, it would die within minutes because of the environment around it. So Darwin's supposition, unless I'm misremembering, is that maybe the conditions on earth were different then so that it would be possible for it to survive, but that's just a guess. There's no way of knowing that, and, and, and he acknowledged that, that there's no way to know that, but if it happened today, almost certainly it would not survive. Also, uh, Darwin's origin of species starts with life. It starts with a goo in a puddle that's been struck by lightning, you know, and now there's life, single-celled organism, where there was not life before. His origin of species doesn't start with non-life and how it became life. It just starts with life already there, all right? Well, okay, even if that is so, how did it go from not life to life? which Darwin didn't address. And then Darwin does address, if that were to happen today, it's almost guaranteed it would die and never survive and never turn into a human being or anything close to that. Okay, so their metaphor for what are the odds that human beings just happen, I love this. The odds are that the unabridged dictionary would result from an explosion in a print factory. <laughs> Can you imagine that? The unabridged dictionary does not exist. And here's a print factory, all right? They print books and, you know, magazines, newspapers, whatever. And there's this horrible explosion where everything is destroyed but yay, when the firemen go in and there's water damage and everything's charred and it smokes and smells bad, you gotta be careful where you walk and there's dripping everywhere. But then, lo and behold, over here on the table is the new, complete, in a book with a cover on it, correct, unabridged dictionary. <laughs> well, how many explosions of print factories do you think we would have to do until that one actually occurred? The number answer in science is it's impossible. Okay? Um, all right. So they, uh, they talked to um, five experts in space about is space infinite or finite? Does it have an end or is it infinite? And if it's infinite, that, that has a whole nother set of, I think, um, meaning and understanding about us and, and God and Christianity and everything else, okay? So Anna Moore, who's an astronomer, says, Maybe. <laughs> and her maybe is because if it was finite, if space was finite, we should be able to discern with our uh, Hubble electron 
telescopes a curve in space. If it's finite, it might just be a tiny little curve because it's so big, but we should almost certainly be able to find and measure a little bit of a curve, all right? The space is almost perfectly flat. So that would lead us to believe that there's not an end. The only exception is that maybe as far as we've been able to see, which is, I think I've got that written, right, written down here somewhere. Um, ah, the observable universe is about 11,500 billion light years. Okay, 11,500 billion light years. All right? Um, so, that's how far we can see. So, what Anna's saying is in 11 billion, 11,500 billion light years, we should have seen a curve. And we haven't. So, she says maybe. Sarah Webb, an astrophysicist, says, yes, it is infinite because there's no curve. Uh, Tanya Hill, an astronomer, yes, because there's no curve. All we see is flat. Sam Barron, a philosopher of science, says, no, it is not infinite. And yes, I understand the flat curve and that that is correct mathematically, that is correct in um, astronomy, that is correct in physics, but maybe we just hadn't gotten far enough out there and maybe it's not um, a donut. The, the, the curved space, if it was finite, would look kind of like a monstrous donut, okay? But what, um, what Sam is saying is that it could also be a torus, which looks like a donut, but it really doesn't have any finite edges, which means it could still be finite even though it's not, um, it's not curved, but it could be a torus and we haven't gotten far enough out to find that curve of a torus. So, now, what I don't understand about Sam is he doesn't say maybe, he says no, and the no is on the basis of maybe we just haven't gotten far enough out to see it yet. Well, I don't see how you could give an equivocal no when you don't have any evidence or facts that you found that support that, which is what he's saying. We don't have any evidence of a curve or a torus but maybe there is one anyway, okay? All right, if you want to think that, okay, but there's no evidence to that. Um, Kevin Orman also says no for the same reason, okay? That maybe we just haven't been far enough out. But the evidence we do have that it's almost perfectly flat, that the Earth is spinning, do you know that? The Earth is spinning spinning at a thousand miles an hour. Think of a merry-go-round. When I was in elementary school, we had this merry-go-round, and the girls, of course, would like to get on it and just kind of go slow. But to us guys, man, this was a serious sport. 
So we would get on it and then we would start pushing it as fast as we could until the people hanging on were sideways in the air, hanging on, and then we'd see how long can they hang on before they fall off. Uh, we got scratched up pretty good doing that game, but um, it was fun. It, it, it really was, okay? Um, but think about a merry-go-round going a thousand miles an hour, going round and round in a spin a thousand miles an hour. What are the odds you're going to hang on? Well, zero. Well, the Earth right now is spinning a thousand miles an hour. How fast is it going? Like, like a baseball or a car? 67,000 miles an hour. So we're spinning at a thousand miles an hour going through space at, at 67,000 miles an hour, and yet you can balance a nickel on a table. A surgeon can do intricate, finite surgery where everything has to be totally still. How in the world can we do that? Spinning at 1,000 miles an hour, going through space at 67,000 miles an hour. Well, that, well, that's part of the reason that the odds of just the Earth being here at a place that would sustain life are 1 in 60 billion. And for us humans, the analogy is like that explosion in the print factory that ends up with the perfect completed that did not exist before unabridged dictionary. All right? And then the formula that they allowed them to come up with that kind of analogy was the one I shared with you, the uh, Nabiogenesis formula, okay? Some other experts estimate that the size of the universe is about 93 billion light years. 93 billion light years. Of course, the other one is that it's infinite. We've, we've not, we, as far as we've looked, there's still space, and it's still flat. Uh, to go one light year is 5.879 trillion miles. Takes 5.879 trillion miles to go one light year. Um, and the equation for 93 billion light years would be 5.394 E, the letter E, plus 23. It's a number that can't really be even expressed in our normal way of like 27 or, or 93 billion. It's way, way, way beyond that. 5.394 E plus 23, all right? Voyager from NASA went 13 light years and it took them... 27 Earth years to do it, okay? 27 Earth years to go 13 light years. And the minimum estimate for the universe, if it's finite, is 93 billion light years. It takes 27 years to go 13. So about two years to go one light year and... The minimum size of the universe, 93 billion light years. Okay. Um, 
Let's go a little farther with the odds of us just evolving as human beings. Not, uh, we've talked about the earth, space, human beings. The smallest DNA strand, the smallest one, has 490,000 nucleotides. Each nucleotide extremely complicated. For one strand, for one DNA strand to evolve in the perfect sequence for us to live and be healthy, happy, do things as a human being, it takes 820 trillion years. <laughs> for one DNA strand to evolve to the degree that we have them in our human body, it is estimated, and this is not just pro or con scientist, it's sort of both, takes eight, approximately 820 trillion years, which is 58,610 times the age of our current universe. So, for one DNA strand, to evolve in the way that we have them to be a healthy human being takes 820 trillion years, which is 58,000 times the age of our current universe by best estimates. There are 46 chromosomes, 23 male, 23 female. Um, they come in pairs. Each pair has 25 strands. There are th over 3 billion, over 3 billion basic DNA pairs. 3 billion. Humans have 92 strands of DNA. Um, that's half men, half women. So that'd be 46, 46 and 46. DNA strands, one strand to evolve so that we live and breathe as humans do 820 trillion years, according to um, best scientific estimates. Okay. So, now let's bring in the board. And why did I go through all that? Because our where we ended last week, our first question was, what is the meaning of life? And to answer that, you have to answer, what is your worldview? And the main question there, is there a God or is there not? Did we evolve from goo in the puddle? Did God create us and there was no evolution? Did God use evolution as part of his creation? Okay, those are all considerations uh, uh, when going on this journey. Okay, so this is where we uh, were last week. Really quick review. Essentials and objectives of the journey. We're on a journey. It's not getting to the top of the mountain. It's getting closer to the top of the mountain, but it's really the journey. That's where we live and breathe and we really don't get, ever get to the end. Now we get to death, which is a transition, but 
you've heard the thing, life is a journey, not a destination. I, I guess that's mainly what I'm trying to say. Okay, so essentials and objectives of the journey. First of all, you've got to decide you're going to go on the journey and not just sit in your recliner where you are, not changing anything, but wanting things to change. Last week we talked about that, and that was the postulate, that there's really no change that doesn't require a little bit of destruction first, or going backwards first, or tearing this down to build a new one first. All right? And while everyone wants change, many people aren't willing to do what they have to do to change. So they keep hoping for it all their life, but never do anything. Others try this thing, that didn't work. Then they go try this thing, that didn't work. Then they go try this thing, that didn't work. Okay? Uh, what we want for you is to change in the way that does work, that doesn't waste 20 years of your life, and that starts producing better and better and better fruit as you go. So maybe not every day, but maybe every month, every year, more and more love, joy, peace, and pain. There is no path without pain. The difference is love, joy, peace, and pain, or anxiety, selfishness, anger, fear, low self-worth, and pain, okay? Meaningful pain versus meaningless pain is another way you might think about it. Okay, so uh, essentials of the journey. A new heart and a new spirit. The new heart, according to 1 Samuel and the story of Saul, immediately gave Saul a new status from kind of nobody to somebody from I can't do it to I can do it, and a new attitude. Like that. It says Saul turned to leave, God gave him a new heart, and bam. New attitude, new status. He was transformed, and Scripture says be transformed by the renewing of your mind and heart in Christ Jesus. By the way, in Scripture, whenever it says uh, mind, there really is no word in Scripture for conscious mind. It really all means either heart or conscious mind as it's controlled by the heart. Okay? So that's a good thing to keep straight too. Okay. So a new heart and spirit, and we're told that God will give us that as a gift. We don't earn it by effort. He gives it. Ezekiel, an undivided heart and a new spirit. And we will obey, not because we're forced to, not because of the threat of consequences. We want to obey because of love. Uh, remember the Corvette uh, Grace story I shared with you a long, long time ago. Uh, the best, that's the best metaphor I've been able to come up with to illustrate grace because it's almost impossible to get your head around grace. All right? And, and in that illustration, if you, didn't hit, if you don't remember that or didn't see that one, uh, a dad has wanted a new Corvette his whole life, been saving for it his whole life. He finally gets it. Uh, right after he gets it, his son asks if he can use it to take his girlfriend to the prom. Major, major big deal for him. Dad says yes. He takes it, wraps it around a telephone pole. They aren't hurt, but the car is totaled. Dad had no insurance. 
He goes home expecting dad to be uh, destroyed, both anger, angry at him, and uh, sadness, extreme sadness, maybe even depression that he finally got this Corvette and now it's gone and he can't replace it because he didn't have insurance. But instead of being mad, the dad just hugs and loves his son and says, don't worry about that. That was just a that was just a thing. It is not important. You are what's important. And the, and the son just can't believe it. Oh, wow. And, and I guarantee you, he would probably feel more loved and closer to his dad than he'd ever felt in his life if, if something like that did happen. And that's based on, that story's based on a true story that really did happen. Okay, then a few days later, his dad very casually says, Hey son, I'm sorry to ask, but I've got a big business meeting and I'm working on getting ready for the business meeting and my uh, trashed 15-year-old Hugo is filthy. I hate to ask, but would you mind cleaning it up just a little bit for me? Because I've got to pick him up from the airport and I don't want him to be completely turned off by my car. And, and the boy who had wrapped the Corvette around the telephone pole, oh, oh yes, I'd be delighted to clean up your car. I wanna clean up your car. Thank you for the opportunity to clean up your car. Well, is that how he felt before the wreck about cleaning up dad's car, if he asked? No, nowhere close. Oh man, I don't wanna do that. I was gonna play video games. What happened? He was changed from the inside out by grace which comes from love. Okay. You'll be given an undivided heart that will obey out of love, not, not the threat of the guillotine if you step out of line, which was more the way I grew up. The mind of Christ. Love, joy, peace, patience. Okay? Imagine, what, what do you think Jesus' thoughts are? Okay, think they're any different from yours? Says he was tempted in all things while here on earth, but never sinned once. Okay, well, you will be given the mind of Christ. In 1 Corinthians 2, we have the mind of Christ, okay? It's a gift. And what is the mind of Christ? It is Jesus. The mystery of the ages. I'm one with Jesus. And so are you. If, if you're a believer who's given your life to God. Okay, so uh, essentials. A new heart. New spirit. Transformed. New attitude. New status. The mind of Christ rather than my mind. Right, the righteousness of Christ, which is... Jesus, again, okay? And that righteousness of God creates action. It ma it's revealed and manifested. Action, it is, allows him to judge rightly and also judge rightly based on grace and love, not just the way that it would work in the natural world. Uh, righteousness leads to salvation and truth through Jesus. It saves, it it. Uh, forgives sin and puts you in a place of freedom, creates grace, righteousness, creates grace. 
If you don't have a righteous sacrifice, it won't purchase grace, at least not for all of us, okay? Maybe one life for one life, but not one life for all, okay? Um, and your best life possible, okay? And we talked about last week that for meaning, when I went on this search for myself, the first question was, is there a God? Or is, is New Age and atheism and agnosticism the truth? If there is a God, is it the Muslim God, the Hindu God, the Christian God, the Jewish God? Okay. Um, what is it? All right. Um, and what I discovered and believed is that there, if, if there was a God, he or she had to be a God of love, a God of truth, a God of justice, a God of grace, because that's how we're built. We function right on love. We malfunction any other way. Okay? So that's how we're built. Well, if we had evolved, no way would love be how we work correctly. It'd be survival of the fittest, which is fear. And seek pleasure, avoid pain, and stimulus response. That's survival of the fittest. But it's not how we work. That's how we malfunction. So that can't be right as far as how we work. Okay. So this week we're ready to talk some about... Um, what I call the other, the, 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 uh, the five big questions. That's what I've called it for years. Number one is, what is the meaning of life? We talked about that last week. This week is, what is your particular purpose in life? And let me flip the board. And this is actually uh, the week before last, okay? Um, where we started our discussion of journey essentials and objectives. But here's the five big questions. And where I left you last week was what compels you? Scripture, 2 Corinthians 5, Paul, the love of Christ compels us. Last week, all right, what compels you? Is it these things? Is it a new heart, spirit, transform? New status, new attitude, the mind of Christ, righteousness. Or is it my old sinful heart that is 80% negative thoughts and feelings and emotions, always leans to the negative, all right? Is it an untransformed mind, which is basically what I just said? Is it not the mind of Christ, because you've not made that choice. And that's all it is. You don't have to earn it. It's just a choice. And is it righteousness? Or what righteousness means is you are right. You are declared innocent. Or is what you experience is that you're wrong, defective, don't measure up, whatever, and you're guilty. Okay? All right, so the first, one, the first of those five questions we talked about last week, is there a God? If there is, which God? 
and whatever that God is and, and wants for earth, for me, whatever, that has to be the meaning, okay? Because if that's true, then I'm a creation. You think yourself of that very often? No, you think I was born because my mom and dad had relations and the sperm and egg came together and I was organically born. But if what God says is true, is true, you're a creation. He made you. All right? Like you would make a uh, popsicle stick house or, or, you know, something like that. The difference, that popsicle, popsicle stick house is inanimate. It says that we were two until God breathed an eternal life and spirit and put an eternal spirit into us. Okay? So, I believe that's true because it's the only one that fits with the earth being here, with us being here, with the way we're built and made, etc. So let's get to number two. So what's your purpose? Well, if that meaning in life is correct, then the purpose of life has to be love. Because that's how we function correctly and in any other way we malfunction. God stepped out onto space and said, I'm lonely, I will make me a man. For God so loved the world that he gave his own. Jesus, is there a greatest commandment? Yes, love. And the second one is love. And if you do those, you've done everything. Against such there is no law. You do that, you're good. So the purpose, right purpose, that leads to success, health, uh, happiness, I think even more money usually, not always, but a lot of times, why would that be? Because when you're in love, you're smartened up, you've got more energy, you're stronger, you're more creative, you have more endurance. Uh, every positive uh, physical, mental, emotional thing you can name comes from love. So. It stands to reason, if you're doing your work in love, the result's going to be better. Okay? Now, you yes, you can make millions of dollars and do it in fear and anger and selfishness and stuff like that. But I'll tell you, I've counseled a good many of those people, and everyone I've met like that is miserable. Rich and miserable. Powerful and miserable. Famous and miserable. All right? About one or two out of ten of those type people that I've worked with are not miserable. They're really happy, more than the average person, successful, at peace. What's the difference? They don't care about the money. It's that simple. They love what they're doing. That's the difference. Okay. So, if, if that's the meaning of life, if there is a God, and it's this God, okay, because that's the only one that fits all the circumstances of the universe, our bodies, how we work, our heart, mind, spirit, 
when we malfunction, when we function correctly, our immune system, I mean, all of that, the DNA, all of that, okay, then the purpose has to be love. So, in other words, any other priority and purpose in life besides love, and you're going against your own purpose. The, own, the, the, the very purpose that you exist, you're, you're violating it. You're going against it. Now, does that mean, as I thought when I was 12 years old and heard the sermon where the preacher for like two or three minutes screamed and pounded on the podium with a, with a microphone on it so that it reverberated through the whole place, no hope, no hope. No hope. I mean, no. That's not what I'm talking about at all. I think that's a deception. Okay? And I think the preacher that preached that sermon had a wrong view of God and that God is a God of love and grace primarily. Okay, so the purpose has to be love. There's no other possibility if the meaning, excuse me, the meaning of life is that there is a God and it's this God and he made me for love and relationship with him. Number three, is there a transformational truth that if you believe it and choose it and allow it to be enacted into your life will transform your life? Yes, there is in my opinion. What is it? It's that I can't earn what I want in life. Let's go back to the postulate. A life of meaning and purpose is not attained by effort. Okay? So if I am trying to have my meaning and purpose gained by and realized by my effort, it won't work that way. That's the wrong door. That's the wrong path. That's the low path. Okay? Alright? Number four, what is the greatest lie that will absolutely ruin your life for as long as you believe it? And most of the clients I've had have believed it. So did I. So did Hope. Okay? What is the lie? That I can have my best life, the life I want, by arranging my circumstances, controlling my circumstances, and by my own willpower. You follow that line of thinking and belief and path, and it will lead here every time. You do not pass go. You do not collect $200. Low road now, instantly. As soon, as soon and for as long as you believe that lie. That my best life is within my own control by my willpower, by arranging circumstances and controlling things to, in order to get the end result that I want, more pleasure, less pain. And number five, how do you fix your biggest problem? Um, I'm going to save that one till next week 
because I want you to think about it this week and pray and meditate and maybe even Google a little bit, search scripture a little bit, okay? Given the, these four that we've talked about, you know, if, if what I'm saying is right, that's for you to decide. Remember, don't believe it just because I say it. But if the first four are right, then how do you fix your biggest problem? And would you like to do that? Well, I believe you absolutely can get it fixed. I would be delighted, honored to help you with that. That's what we've been doing with people for 21 years. Okay? Uh, and what I'm talking about, there's no money involved. Okay? I'm not trying to get you to buy anything. But I, I do believe there's a way to fix your biggest problem. It's consistent. It works every time. And it is in harmony with the meaning of life, your particular purpose in life, because love manifesting through your life, your days, the people you're involved with, your work, your circumstances, is going to be completely different from mine or anyone else's. All right? The transformational truth that there is a God, He is love, He does purchase my grace, and created everything, including me, for love and for an infinity, an eternity of love, joy, peace, with no fear, no tears, no night, all the thing, no stress, all the things we would like to change about here is the case across the other side. All right, so I'm going to end the same place I ended last week, and I think the place I started or ended with the week before. What compels you? And that word compel, the definition of it, is to force by power. To force by power. Okay? So, in other words, the force means an end result will be made to happen. Not maybe. It will come about. All right? But it takes power to do that. And it's more power than I have or you have. The power of God can do it like that. Wait on the Lord and exchange your strength for His, your power for His, and you will run without growing weary, walk and not faint, Mount on wings of eagles. The power of God through you will guarantee the best end results for your life. And I believe it's the only thing that will. So, how do you get from wherever you are today to your best possible life. Well, Scripture says it happens apart from the law to those who believe. 
apart. What does that mean? It means it's not about your effort or what you do or don't do. It is done in you, to you, through you, and for you. It is For you, it is a choice and a commitment. And then God steps in and fulfills all his promises. I'll protect you. I'll never leave you alone. I'll provide you a way of escape. I'll empower you. I'll give you love, joy, peace, etc. I'll... I give you grace, I give you the righteousness of Christ, I give you a new heart, a new spirit, the mind of Christ, I will transform you, I'll give you the righteousness, and it's all apart from the law. How do we get there? The love of Christ does it. So you have to be in loving relationship with Jesus. So how do you fix your biggest problem? Think about it this week. And we'll try to discuss it at length next week. But also, think about these four in our spiritual journey. What do you believe is the meaning of life, the purpose of life, the greatest transformational truth, and the greatest destructive lie? Which are you living by? Well, you can usually tell by the fruit. Are you experiencing love, joy, peace, and pain? Or anxiety, stress, anger, irritation, frustration? I don't measure up, not good enough, unforgiveness. Every day is a struggle. Now, even... Even here, you're going to have days that are a struggle. But here, it's a struggle that seems like it's not for any really great reason. Here, the struggle, you'll sense. This is a spiritual struggle, and even though it's difficult, I believe when I come out the other end, I'm going to be a little bit higher in my life. Okay. So, I, I highly encourage you, start on your journey or continue your journey. These are things that you're looking to find in the journey in order to determine the road, to have your best life, to own that life rather than, rather than it be um, your parents. And you don't own it, you just, you're just borrowing it. Because you've not searched it out. You've not confirmed it for yourself. You, you maybe even really kind of think it more than believing it. Because how can you totally believe something that you've never really thought about holistically or searched out? Maybe, maybe not. But anyway... We ended last week, what compels you? Is it love or is it anything else? And that's the same place I'm going to end today. And how is your journey? And next week, and you can already be thinking about it, you may know the answer now. How do you fix your biggest problem? And if you could do that, 
what kind of difference would that make in your life? If, you, if your biggest problem was no longer a problem, I believe that can absolutely happen. And um, would be honored to help with that if I can. Okay. Thank you so very much. Have a wonderful, blessed day. I love you. More importantly, way more importantly, God loves you. Have a great day.